would you be willing to take a 40% reduction in your pay mm-hmm. if it meant that your company's valuation increased by several million pounds? Yeah, you know, I think most people would say yes in theory, but I got to tell you, a lot of the small business owners focus way too much on the short term than the long. Episode 202 of the Dan Bradbury Podcast. Hey, my friend, how are things going for you right now? Rocking and rolling. It's getting lighter every day, and uh, so I'm enjoying as we kind of move into spring. You've got to love the fact that it's finally getting, it's not getting dark at three in the afternoon anymore. Oh my God, I don't know how you guys do this over here. Your text to my sister made me laugh the other day, where you sent her a text message about how how you thought you were dying because... (laughs) This cold, tingly sensation just because it was so cold. Oh, my God. It was negative five degrees the other day. That's just not human. That's that, that, that's a mild summer day in, in, in the UK. <laughs> in the UK. You, you, you're welcome. Yes. Anyway, let's, uh, let's jump into this, my friend. Uh, let's talk about the news uh, in small business. So, look, there's a great article from the, uh, from the person running... Um, oh, it's an article about the person running the first company ever to hit $3 trillion. Insane and amount. Uh, of course, we're, we're talking about Tim Cook, Tim Cook. Uh, the CEO of Apple, who took over from the uh, the late Steve Jobs. Yeah. I mean, check this out. He's taken a 40% pay cut. Uh, for perspective, that's like $40 million dollars for him as well it's right insane. right yeah. and it's all and it's and you could argue it's significantly worse than that yeah because the reduction is in shares of his company now for, uh, but by the way I, I think we're missing the main story it's not that he's taking it he requested it he requested the pay cut Right, well, this is where it gets interesting, right? So he requested, so he volunteered the 40% reduction, but it was after a lobbying, right? So uh, I forget who it was, but there was some group um, uh, that was lobbying for kind of uh, an investor advisory group that's saying to the shareholders they should vote it down, right? Mm-hmm, they should mm-hmm. vote down the pay package because it was too generous. So whether or not you kind of go, he's going, yeah, no, that's right, and this is what's best for the shareholders, or whether or not he's playing the game because he doesn't want to be ousted and lose the vote. Well, honestly, I think he was doing it because it's the right thing to do. I mean, he's always, have been above and beyond the the moral integrity of most most CEOs. I think. Well, and ultimately, uh, uh, I agree with that. Actually, I like Tim a lot. And he says, "I can't do it personally." I'll, I'll let him know next time he's we see good him. People, yeah. Uh, um, uh, but of course, you could argue that that, that of course he's going to get rewarded because he's he's now a billionaire, mm-hmm. and he wasn't. 10 years ago or just over 10 years ago when he when he took over the head of the firm yeah he's worth 1.7 billion now right right and it's and fundamentally while he's a high income earner his base salary is is 3 million which relative to the overall compensation is a tiny proportion so his wealth has been built off from building the wealth of apple building the wealth of the shareholders by the way just to put this in perspective the guest that you had at your last mastermind has a higher net worth than tim cook I know. That's crazy. It's unbelievable. Yeah. He's a legend. Yeah. He What's his net worth? $2.3 billion, I think. Yeah, well, either way, yeah. either way. Anyway. It's a, it's a, more than I can count. Yeah. Now, um, and, and, and so, look, think about this. Would you be willing to take a 40% uh, pay cut if it meant that your company's valuation mm. increased by millions of pounds? Yeah. You know, I think most business owners would say yes on that in theory, but too often, I think small business owners, they focus on the short term way more than the long. 
And so it'd be interesting to see where the rubber hit the road if they actually would or not. Because uh, fundamentally, that's what he's doing. Because uh, look, because I think most small business owners would just cut their employees' pay. <laughs> right, right. Or, or they say it in theory, but then they actually spend the money because they want to meet their lifestyle need. But you can definitely look at this through the lens of he's taking less pay which benefits the shareholders the company now has more money to reinvest in growth mm-hmm. somebody listening to this will point out or oh, apple valuation has dropped from three billion back to two trillion i feel you <laughs> I, I, I own some apple stock uh, um and uh and actually there's a a member who i won't say because i haven't asked his permission who owns many many millions uh, oh, really? in Apple stock, oh, but we'll boy. have to talk about that off uh, off camera. Off, off camera, who, for sure. Who, who, who's definitely hurting with the reduction, but fundamentally, it means that the company's got more chance to grow and thrive. Yeah. He's acting in the best interest of shareholders. Tim Cook gets my vote. Yeah, uh, me as well. I, I, hell, I think I think that news could have easily made him the hero of the week, but we're saving that for somebody even better. But let's talk about the fail of the week now. So, yeah, yeah, from the sublime to the ridiculous, this is about, um, well, fundamentally, it's about tax evasion. So mm-hmm. it's about a uh, lady. Uh, this is somebody who would not take a 40% cut in pay, by the way. I'd just like to point that out. Well, no way in Correct. Hell. <laughs> uh, in fact, I was almost didn't want to share this article. So, so when we found this, I, I almost didn't want to share this article because you could argue you, you are giving, you're telling people <laughs> how to commit tax fraud. I can't believe, <laughs> I can't believe how frank this article is. But it's, but it's how to get, it's about how to get convicted for tax fraud though. It's not like how to get away with it because well, she yeah, clearly I didn't mean, get away. So, look, so, so uh, Gina Vollmer, uh, uh, basically evaded half a million dollars worth of payroll taxes. Um, And here's what was interesting to me. She was forced, she's been put in prison for one year and one day, and she's forced to pay 513,000 in restitution. So effectively, she's not even being fined. They're saying, you go into prison for a year and a day, and you're going to have to pay us back. And here's the part that pisses me off. As you go into the article, not only did she just have to, the minimum sentence, but, but she actually screwed the employees because she was not putting money into their funds. Yeah, 100%. Well, I mean, that's it. I mean, that's how she did it. Un- uh, fundamentally, she paid them their net pay and she, the, the gross pay, which the employer, same in the US, same in the UK, fundamentally, mm-hmm. the employer withholds the taxes and pays it to the government on the employee's behalf. And also deducted their insurance and didn't pay the insurance bill. That's uh, it, crazy. I, well, and, and so while, while this is a UX example, I mean, uh, there's somebody, uh, somebody uh, that's in our community who was very close to a uh, exit, uh, and the only reason the fraud got caught was because he was trying to sell his company. And when he was trying to sell his company, the accounts were a mess, right? And he was going to get a he was going to get a seven figure exit, a multi seven figure exit of this business this kind of five million pound company but the accounts were a bit messy and the buyer was naturally wanting to be really drilling mm-hmm, to the accounts mm-hmm. and uh you know the the uh the financial i'll call it the financial director was off sick and like like procrastinating and i advised the uh, owner i'm like look just get get a fractional fd and get somebody in to get this over the line because he was going to lose the deal and when the fractional fd uncovered fraud and the person had been doing very oh. similar the FD had been financial m- director, uh, correct, had not been paying the taxes, right? So, mm-hmm. so, so they'd been paying via oh. uh, uh, a weird little loophole that I definitely won't say on this podcast. <laughs> I want to say a joke. Send me a check. I'll let you know the loophole. <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the, they had uh, obviously illegally. I, I can yeah. hear my lawyer again now. Don't joke about things like that. <laughs> but obviously illegally. Uh, um, 
was paying people but not paying the taxes or not paying HMRC actually anything, mm. anything. And they had a way of kind of hiding it. So HMRC didn't know that they were owed the money because they weren't even filing the returns, right? HMRC is like the IRS. Right? Correct, yeah. correct, correct. Um, I was going to say Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs, but I think technically it's His Majesty's yes. Revenue and Customs. And so uh, fundamentally, once this Do you think there will ever be a time when they have to go... Uh, they, they, Man- yeah, yeah. They Manchester Revenue <laughs> Customs. You know what? No comment. So, so the the um, yeah. Don't mess with our monarchy. Too, this, <laughs> it puts me in an awkward situation. So, so um, uh, and ultimately they found it, and the the company owed you know seven figures in back taxes. So obviously the buyer didn't buy the company, and the company went into liquidation. So, uh, well, U.S. equivalent of bankruptcy. Yeah. Right. By the way, lesson here is don't do stupid shit. Don't get greedy. Pay your bills, pay your taxes, do the right thing for crying out loud. Right. I, I mean, look, uh, I, darn it, I can't. I can't remember the Buffett quote specifically, but it's like if only they knew how uh, how rich you could get being legitimate. Like how? Oh, I love that. Uh, yeah. It, it, that's not the exact phrase, but it's something similar to that. It's kind of like if people knew how easy it was to get really rich legitimately like nobody would bother cheating yeah. i've said that before that if, if people would just spend the same amount of time that they try to avoid doing the, the wrong stuff th- they'd probably be just fine yeah yeah and i will say from somebody who uh it's not an episode for this for this it's certainly not for this episode's over but somebody who uh in my youth had had a little bit of a skirmish with hmrc I wasn't trying to uh, break the law. I thought I was being clever and found a loophole. Mm. And ultimately, the amount of tax saved, the years of misery. So obviously, <laughs> yeah, effectively, yeah. they argued and won that that it, it didn't stack up and I owed more in tax than I claimed to have owed. Yeah. And I had to pay that, plus the interest, plus the fines, plus all the legal fees and the advice and the court cases. And by the way, it, 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 it hounds, it still hounds me. The, the, let's just say I get... Psych- like psychologically it hounds you? No, as in literally there's a tale because I get a lot more random investigations oh, these days. Oh, sure. I'll bet you do, yeah. Because you've, okay. you've, you've, you've raised the flags. Correct. Oh, and whilst I, uh, it's not a concern because I'm not playing the wrong side of the line, mm-hmm. the, 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 it's annoying as hell and an inconvenience. Yeah. Because stuff just drags on drags on drags on because they aren't a fast working machine hmrc <laughs> so uh, so yeah so well summarized yeah. don't do stupid shit there we go all right let's talk about the hero of the week Uh, this hero of the week is also uh, was last year's entrepreneur of the year. It's Mr. Rob Stone. Yes. So Rob, uh, legendary in our community because he started uh, uh, one of his companies, his uh, first business. Honestly, he's like there could be a movie made about this guy. Right, right? It's, it's that kind of a rags to riches story. Right. So Instaloff. So he's got multiple businesses now, but Instaloff he started it with a five hundred pound bad credit credit card. I'm not going to say his current revenue because I can't remember it. don't want to get it wrong. And whatever I say, it will have gone up. That's the thing. By the time this show gets aired, it's already up higher anyway. He's yeah. grown at a fast the, clip. There's the, the still a testimonial that I saw on some random landing page on my website recently, which made me laugh, that said, oh, in my first year in Mastermind, I went from 250K revenue to 1.3 million. It was on our 200th anniversary episode. 
Oh, um, right, okay. And yeah, I saw when it. I made you hero of the week, and I sh- I had the clip. Yeah, and it made me laugh because he made more than that in profit last yeah. year. Yeah, right. Like, and so he's got multi seven figure profits. He's got well, well, well into eight figure revenues. Yeah, and uh, that's just of this company. And the best thing is, he built Instaloft into the UK's number one offboarding company. But he's also got multiple other offshoots company he bought uh, Garage Flex uh, um, I think it was Garage right. Flex yeah. which is kind of a complimentary business yeah. that he bought off another mastermind member he um, also has got Insta Spark, which yeah. was like a spin off because they do so much electrical work in people's homes mm-hmm. he bought a stake in the uh, the uh, the supplier Loft Zone which has got the particular proprietary system yeah. for the loft boarding yep. it, it's it, it's unbelievable so um, he won Entrepreneur of the Year but the point is one of the, the the secret kind of messages that aren't um, looked at closely is ultimately when you've got as many employees as Rob has, and it I forget the number, but I stopped counting when we got past a hundred. Yeah. Right. So yeah. uh, when you've got this many people, is how does he do it? And ultimately, I'm going to say all businesses, but it's only all service based businesses are uh, the leverage comes from the people. You could say the people no and the question. systems. Yeah. But no the questions. systems are created by the people. So mm-hmm. really the leverage is coming from the people. And and Rob's just a smart dude who invests in investing in his in his team, in his employees. Yeah, and here's here's the reason why he's the hero is because you've just created a brand new program called the Management Mastermind, which is a mastermind specifically for not the business owners, not the day-to-day workers, but those people in the middle, stuck in the middle, that have to manage the owner. They also have to manage their employees. And you've created a management mastermind. He is sending four of his managers to that. And that is a demonstration, in my opinion, of excellence and should be rewarded because he's not the kind of guy who would scrinch on the payroll taxes. He's actually investing in his employees. I think that's amazing. Well, that, that, that's what the leverage is. Good. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about this. Um, most employees' performance, in my experience, could increase by 30, 50, 100, 200%, depending on their role, in terms of their level of output. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at it this way. You, you look at a company like Apple that has, what, how many tens of thousands of employees, right? One employee doubling their efficiencies isn't even noticed. Yes. You take a small business, though, that has five employees, and you got one employee that doubles their efficiencies, all of a sudden, they're 10% better. Right. It, it's absolutely transformational to the company, and yet the, the, the relative cost of doing that is minimal versus yep. what? Hiring another employee? Yep. So if you double your efficiency, or you could have run high, so you could take a 30K salary and you're doubling it, you've now got another 30K salary, so you've doubled it up. I mean, clearly, we're biased, right? right? But yeah, I, I kind of go... Yeah. In fact, uh, another uh, member of ours tracked uh, Topher, his company's growth directly to the amount that he invested in himself and his team. And he tracked over many years, I forget how many, but Can it was at least two name? or three years. Yeah, yeah, it was Chris Matthews. Chris oh, Matthews. excellent, okay. Yeah. So, so, so Chris tracked over many years a correlation of 10 to, roughly 10 to 1. I think it was 9.5 to 1. Wow. Right? Uh, so, kind of growth. Now, to be clear, I believe from memory it was revenue, not profit, but uh-huh. of course he knows his margins, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, yeah. It was like a 10 to 1 uh, count, and it, it was trailing about 12 months. So it's like, if you invest the money this year, you see the improvement next year. Yeah. Right? Which which kind of makes sense. But the beauty, of course, Toby, that people sometimes lose sight of is 
it's ongoing because if you've grown the knowledge base and you're yep, able to perform absolutely. at a higher output, that doesn't typically erode away. You know, it might be if you're working with high-level athletes, yeah, right? right, right. You've got them for a number of years and then their physical performance depletes. But from a from a mental performance point of view, and so for most business owners, employees, and team members, it's like those that increased output just pays dividend. Yeah. Which and back but, to why you need to keep yeah, all the this this goes full circle all the way back to. Um, Tim Cook taking a 40% pay cut to reinvest the capital back into the business. Small business owners, same type of thing, right? You can reinvest that capital back into the growth of the business. Absolutely. Yeah. So with that said, talking about people and culture, should we have a, should we have a chat about Book of the Week? Let's have that chat about Book of the Week, my friend. So this is a great little book. If you've not read it, I mean, I'm a fan of this. I haven't, and I'm going to tell you why I don't want to, and you're going to hopefully overcome that objection. All right, well, the book is uh, Tribes by the author Seth Godin. I mean, Seth, I still believe he's got one of the most popular business blogs in the world. He's daily written on it for, well, it must be well over 10 years now. And his books are a particular style, so it's not everybody's cup of tea, but they are. he, He bangs out a lot of books. The Dip, Purple Cow, but this this is one of my favorite Seth Godin books. Yeah. And they are short, real nice, easy read. But this book, specifically, what I like about it is it's tribes. We need you to leaders. It's about how do you create a following. He, he talks about the, you know, most people are sleepwalking, walking around. Uh, I think Dan Kennedy describes it as they're walking around with their umbilical cord in hand looking for somewhere to plug it in. <laughs> Right, very and, vivid imagery. Right, yeah. right, and and I think that's true. So he's talk, So Seth's talking about how do you create a following, uh, like a fan club, uh, people that are fanatical, fanatical about what it is that you do. Hmm. Right. Well, what's your vision that people can align behind, so that people are uh, metaphorically willing to crawl over broken glass to do business with you, to promote you, to work for you, and and I think it's got some gems. Okay. Now here's why I don't like it. Or I'm nervous about reading it. And by the way, this is a bit more just uh, um, being a bit of a, a stress testing against it. But I, 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 for me, I think the word tribe is a bit of a negative uh, association to it because I'm not a fan of how our cultures have become so tribalistic later lately. Like we've got this, you've got your Democrat tribe, your Republican tribe, your Tory tribe, you know, you've got your women's tribe, your men's tribe. And it seems like culturally we have becoming more and more segregated and we're not moving to inclusion. And that's kind of frustrating for me because I think we tend to be too, uh, like, I, I mean, tribes are inherently tribalistic they're they're scared of things that aren't theirs and so i guess when i see that word i'm like i don't want to be a part of a tribe yeah it's interesting i mean i suppose you're talking about it in the context of if i understood you correctly almost like the echo chamber we're in the tribe exactly yes yeah yeah and yeah i would argue the obvious counter argument is things like masterminds it's like people with a similar common purpose achieve more things working together than... But here would be my pushback on that. I don't think a mastermind is a tribe because a mastermind is a group of well-diverse group of individuals. It's not like it's all of the same type of people. And that's kind of what... Yeah, but I, they're, they're all interested yeah. in the same thing. Like like if you're joining a business growth mastermind, you're all business owners, you're all trying to grow, you're all whatever, seven-figure revenues. Yeah, yeah. Right? So there's a common alignment. But, but actually, that's, I don't know. I, I, I have a feeling I would probably love the book. Well, I was going to say, we're getting to ethereal. So I would say, yeah. all right, I hear you hang up on the word tribes. Yeah. 
let's just call it people like hanging out that are also uh, supportive of other individuals that aren't from the same. It's just not quite as ringy. Read the damn book and then tell me what you think. You know what? I'll tell you what. I will. I will read the book. And uh, you know me. I'm the first person to say I made a mistake if I did. So I'll read it and I'll get back with you on that one. Anyway, that's good. Book of the week. All right. Book of the week is... Oh, no. We just read the book of the week. What's the quote of the week? Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> uh, so this is from uh, uh, Barbara Lanz, who I believe is a, a uh, kind of Silicon Valley VC kind of investor. I think that's right, if I remember memory serves me correctly. involved with NASDAQ, yeah. Yeah, okay, good. So um, it's important to create a culture of innovation that is one that both values and rewards risk. And I love this from a cultural perspective because yeah. if you want to think companies that get stale and fail it's kind of big bureaucracies people aren't willing to try stuff Mm -hmm. and ultimately mankind's advances comes from stepping out the status quo being willing to try new things being willing to innovate so okay i got a question for you in this one then right because what immediately comes to mind when i think of this quote is facebook's moniker move fast and break things i think that's it is that right i I think it was it i think they changed it well oh okay so this is what i was going to ask like is there a time where like there's there's periods of growth in a business where you should be rewarding and encouraging innovation, but yet there may be like a curve where all of a sudden you have to pull back on that and then not encourage it as much because Facebook's kind of had kind of a rocky thing. So I didn't know that they pulled that back. I, I believe it was several years ago, but it reminds me of, uh, it's another book. I forget the author's name, but The, the Lean Startup, right? Oh, great uh, book, yes. And fundamentally yes. that book says, is makes the argument for startups shouldn't have a business plan. In fact, it'll cause you to fail. It goes mm-hmm. big established companies that are trying to be more efficient should have a precise plan and execute on the plan. But actually, um, uh, oh, let me get dig into my memory here. U- ultimately, you need to test things, minimal viable products, and yes. then, you, th- th- then you test it, and then you either stick and double down or you pivot. pivot. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, and I think that's true, and I think that does have validity all the way through, but the dichotomy is... That's true, and yet simultaneously, um, and I say the reason a lot of small businesses fail to transition into established, ongoing, growing enterprises is because they can't stick at things long enough. Because mm-hmm. like in certain yeah. circumstances, like nope, this is a failure. Like figure that figure that out quickly and pivot yeah. and go down a different route. And then other times, it's like oh, you think it's a failure, but no, you've only been doing it for five damn minutes. Like yeah. Yeah. like you need to persevere. So I think that's a dichotomy, and so. I think take this quote in the context, which is uh, ultimately for you to outperform. Actually, I shared this with you from the crooks. If you're going to expect to profit, i.e. you're going to run ahead of the market averages for your industry, you need to have a competitive advantage. You need to have a USP. If you're the same as everybody else, you're only going to profit or fail to profit to the degree that the industry is profitable. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. When people are uber profitable... competitive forces always erode that over time so you are going to have to have a usp which is going to require you to be willing to try some new things so you've got a value and ultimately that's how the risk gets rewarded i i think also what i like about this quote is the fact that and because we're talking about people and culture and so many times companies punish their employees for having an innovative thought and trying it and it failing that they start to teach them oh well i don't want to rock the boat and i i think it's good that that you know business owners we need to encourage our staff to be comfortable making a mistake 
Yeah, I don't know who this is attributed to. I think it's been attributed to every major entrepreneur of all time. Whether well, in that case, you e- said it. Elon, yeah, exactly. Elon Musk, Bill Gates. I'm sure it's apocryphal. Is that the right term? Yeah. Yeah, like, I, I don't think... Uh, I like nobody said it. Correct, yeah. correct. Which is, oh, some employee gets called into the CEO's office because he's just lost $500,000 for the firm. And he goes, are you going to fire me? And the CEO goes, fire are you crazy? I'm promote you. No, yeah. like, I'm not going to fire you. I've just spent five hundred thousand dollars training you yeah. right and <laughs> right, it's like yes, yes. yeah okay and and, and well, i think culturally that, that speaks to this as in if the person's making the mistake because they're intending to succeed it just didn't work out yeah. that's part of the entrepreneur entrepreneurial journey my friend you know what i'll share with you uh we'll go one step further so one of my favorite people in tampa is a gentleman by the name of thomas mance he's the ceo for feeding tampa bay uh he was ranked the best CEO in Tampa Bay, actually. Um, and one of the things that he has, and I, and I will probably misquote him on this, but he says he, that he will never punish an employee if they make a mistake as long as they do it from a place of ambition or a place of aggression, meaning if they're doing it to move the company forward, they're never going to get punished, even if it costs the company. And I just love that, that he's really created that culture of safety. All right, I'm going to squeeze it in. I feel like I've had a few episodes where I've not quoted Warren Buffett enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably, uh, you probably should throw so, one out So d- during the Solomon crisis... Uh, I, uh, uh, crisis when he took over as CEO of that firm, he said, "As you say, the Solomon crisis. Like everybody understands and knows what the Solomon crisis was." Uh, uh, effectively, the bank or the, the the financial institution that Solomon Brothers, I believe, uh, were very very naughty, and they were going to get their banking license or their financial trading license taken away from it, and it was going to destroy the business, and it was going to go bankrupt. And uh, Berkshire Hathaway were major shareholders. And uh, Warren stepped in and somehow persuaded whatever U.S. body that was responsible for making that decision to re- to revoke or revert their decision within hours, because he was like, "You're going to take it down. It's going to have a cascading effect." And wow. before the committee, the FDIC, I would assume, maybe, yeah, yeah, I, I don't recall, but b- before that committee, so it's televised. You can look this up. I've got to get this quote right now. He just said. <laughs> Pressure's on, my friend. Yeah, he, 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 he just looked at me and he said, look, here's what I'm saying to my employees. He says, uh, lose money for the firm and I will be understanding. Lose an ounce of reputation for the firm mm. and I will be ruthless. Oh, that is very Buffett. I love it. Got to love it, my friend. Uh, I don't think we can top that comment. Nope. I <laughs> just... I should go crickets on the way out. So, look, uh, as always, as always with these episodes, Topher, if you want a better business, you need to become a better business owner. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Three things you need to do now. Number one, make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you do not miss an episode. Also, get on over to Amazon to get a copy of my latest book, Turnover is Vanity, Profit is Sanity, Nine and a Half Steps to Improving Your Profits and Cash Flow. Also, join our Facebook group, the Turnover is Vanity, Profit is Sanity community to connect with other business owners.